Woo! Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, Game Week, Divisional Playoffs, NFL. Ooh, it's going to be a cold one on Saturday. Hey, Blaine Bishop, Mickey Ryan, Lucas Panzica here with you. By the way, you heard in his update, uh, no Titans on the injury report today. Everyone, well, we haven't seen the paper report, but everyone practiced uh, mm. per multiple reports. That's great news. And, and as much as you say that's great news, that makes me nervous. <laughs> Only because this never happened. I know. That's so like, I'm like, uh-oh, something's not right. That's my paranoia there. <laughs> I'm used to seeing a laundry list of of uh, players, and then we know, okay, we're going with this, this, and this, and hey, we got to you know find a way to overcome those players that's not playing. Now, everybody is healthy, so now I feel I have a weird feeling. It's just to overcome who's <laughs> inactive right now, literally. Like, what healthy dude's not going to play? What about you, Lucas? Do you feel funny about that everybody's healthy because it's weird because it never happened all season? Yeah, no? it feels strange. The, yeah. It does feel like there's a very jovial vibe uh, coming right. off of St. Thomas Sports Park today. Like, I saw a video of Luan and Julio speaking together. Those two looked like they were in the best mood they've been in all season. Vrabel was pretty chipper talking to the media today. So, just interesting. Do you like that? Do you like that? Or... How does that make you feel? Let well, me I mean, put on well, my I mean, psychiatrist that, I mean, they hat. They should be, uh, you know, comfortable. I mean, it's not game day, so it's not like you got to be in a in a bad mood right now. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I just feel weird that everybody's healthy now. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it, that's it is different. That is horrible to say it, that. It, it is different. You should be elated and excited. It's like, uh-oh, is something going to go wrong? Is that, you know, we're going to have an outbreak or something? I mean, I don't know, man. Oh, by the way, Greg Maven did test. He went in the COVID protocol yesterday after we've been talking about that. Greg Maven. Yeah, Greg yeah. Maven. Yeah, I think we can overcome Greg Maven. <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> I hate to say that, I but mean, I think we can overcome. And, oh, by the way, I wanted to say this, speaking of DBs, you notice how Elijah Molden said screen and not Jackrabbit, or did he? He say, said Buster, he, we had Elijah Molden on, and he talked about all the help he had gotten from Buster Screen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a and. <laughs> well, I just, there's some other quarters on the scene that are veterans, so I just, you know, <laughs> just, you know, but I could, he could have just missed out and didn't say his name. That happens all the time. We're going to critique every little bit of. What they say, just like everybody does with what we say. So <laughs> why not? That's what Twitter is nah, for. It's all good. Um, do you like the idea? Because it's the same dirt that you played on over there. It's the same dirt. No, they resided it. Well, I know. But the dirt <laughs> under that dirt is the same. By the way, you get potato chips grown in that dirt, apparently. that's what? Yes, Lay sells potato chips that are grown from stadium dirt, supposedly. Is that supposed to be good for your health? I think they dirt? took one field in Idaho and threw a spoonful of dirt out there that they dug in out. Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're like, there you go. It's got like team logos on the bags of chips, like yes. the Washington football what? team. Wasn't put it, it out. like the dumbest thing in sports for you guys one week or something like that on, on now, Bucks? It was Bucks one day, but like the Washington football team one uh, from that field, I feel like if you just eat a chip, your ACL will just immediately tear. It'll just disintegrate. Oh, just, my, yeah, the second you put that in your mouth. Oh, okay, so that's on the field. Uh, well, let's just there keep it, it is. Let's keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you like the idea of playing a greatest show on turf type team on half frozen dirt over here outside? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. I, I, I wish I wish the Super Bowl was on dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the Super Bowl. Really, in, yeah, the, the year two thousand was on dirt. Moving a little bit differently on that turf in that dome, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. And I know they play outside, and I know it's cold in Cincinnati, but it is not turf. And this 
this field is a living entity here, depending on how it's sodded and yeah, what it, it looks depends. like. You, even as the home team, you better go out there and check out the cleats you need to be wearing. Yep. Especially being a defensive back, because a slip could cost uh, you a touchdown and maybe your job and the game. No, it could cost Jamar Chase some touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? We got Fulton. He knows him. He knows everybody. Me. He played against him in high school. But as you and keep college. pointing out, that goes both ways. They yeah, both know each both, other. Yeah, he he knows him though. Yeah, he Chase knows him too. <laughs> so uh, back and forth, you know. If you want to go even, Steven, that means if he gets a touchdown, you know, that means uh, Fulton's supposed to get an interception for a touchdown to make it even. Would you settle for that touchdown for both? No, I just settle for just shut him out. You know that that's cool too. And when I say shut out, man, you know, hold him under 50. Like five seven. for 48. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Boy. And, and not, you know, he's going to get targets. <sighs> Ooh. I wonder if they're going to play sides. I remember you asked me that the other I day. I asked you that. Just, I'm wondering what is Fulton, you know, politics. Hey, man, no, nah, I want to go get Chase every time. He is the best young receiver in the league and probably top five already. Yeah, I think that's fair. You can say, hey, man, I, I got him. I got him. I'm like, uh, I think I might want to play my side. He lines up on my side a lot already anyway, so let's right. just do that. <laughs> How they play defense in this game is, is fascinating to me. What they do to try to slow that down. And the Bengals run the ball too. Yeah. They they run I think I, I want to say they ran it nearly as many times or maybe right out about the same as many times as Titan did. Now they threw it more because they ran more plays. But I want to say rush-wise, here, I can tell you because I took I took. Yeah, a... I think everybody's been, you know, whether you've been locally or uh, nationally, been pretty on point on, you know, that they throw the ball around the yard and the matchup is going to be about the offensive line of the Bengals versus the defensive front four. And you say the Titans win that. And you say, well, how often do they win that? Because you know he's going to be able to throw the ball and how quick and all everything else is a whole other question. Uh, but can you keep him in the pocket? Uh, I think early in the game, I think the Titans are going to be, you know, with the fans and everything else going to be swarming. I actually want the defense to start off because that kind of energy and the hypeness of the stadium and the fans uh, could bring a whole bunch of energy. And once you get them kind of willing a little bit, you can kind of carry that momentum for another quarter uh, maybe. So kind of want that so they can see, hey, this is this team is different than, than any team we faced uh and they've done decent against teams that can rush the passer. Yeah. Uh, so you got to play some zone. You got to disguise. I, I think they know all the things they have to do, of course. Uh, but this guy, he, they're going to get there. It's just a matter of just keeping them in front of you and contain them, which Vrabel has actually said. Let me check myself before I wreck myself. I know. They actually threw it about the same number of times. I knew one of the numbers about the same. The Titans and the Bengals threw The Bengals only threw it 20 more times this year than the Titans. Mm-hmm. Titans ran it 100-plus more times than they did. The Bengals threw it only 20 more times than the Titans all season. That was a number that surprised me. 535 throws for the Titans. Uh, Bengals, 555. Only 20 more pass attempts. Well, you got to put it in context, though. How much do they throw per game? I know overall it'll show it, but, you know, they are probably a little more balanced just like the Titans than we think. Yeah. I think they would lean a little more to throw in the football because of all the weapons they have. And uh, Mixon is kind of slowed down a little bit here at the end. Uh, but uh, he definitely can get it done running the football. And I think if I was them, I would throw the sharp passing game and I would run the football early versus the Titans. Just try to slow down that pass rush. Yeah. yeah because you only have so many rushes in you. Well, if, if you throw them real quick, they're going to start slowing down. They're like, hey, man, as soon as I step on my foot in the ground, I got to get and turn and run to the ball. Yeah, or they run the ball. So I'm, I'm interested because once you're a passing team, 
you live off passing. Mm-hmm. You know, or Burrow is your best player. You you live off letting him make it happen. But mm, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I I'm excited, and our fan base should be too, because they potentially could, if the Titans do what they're supposed to with the defensive line, they could dominate this game. It could be a big big number. But if it if they don't, and it's kind of an even match. It still favors the Titans, but it's going to be a close game throughout. And then, oh, by the way, I forgot, Bullock kicked for the Bengals. was one of his teams. One of his teams. Yeah. I think it's, it might have been his first team. Or he was with the Texans, the he's Bengals. Been, he's traveled around a little bit. But, okay. yeah, Bengals are one of his teams. Yeah, and the first thing my man Solomon Wilcox said to me from the Bengals, he covers them and play for them, is that, yeah, he has that curveball kick. I yeah. said, absolutely it does. They all line up right on the Right to left. Right to left. And guess what he followed up? Well, he said, at least with the Bengals, that lasted for so long. But then when they needed him in clutch situations, he never hardly came through. I said, well, he's come through for the Titans most of the time. He said, well, I'm just saying, that's really why they let him go. Is because he just he couldn't make the clutch kicks. I said, oh, what? Well, and he, he made me really. I think my heart started fluttering. I'm, I'm really, I did. And the I Titans started sweating. had the most wins this year in what, three point games or less? The Titans actually had this in the supplemental. And he's done pretty good. Six and one. And a couple of those were him. Yeah, him. they were. And But I still got nervous when they told me because they could always <sighs> just come back after one little doink off the goalpost. You know, that could happen. But he said, really, that was the reason. Because before that, they said it would always, he had this curveball of a kick. Uh, and uh, once he started missing, then they were like, uh-oh, yeah. we got to go. Yeah. He wasn't clutch. You, know, you miss somewhere else. That's how you wind up somewhere else. But naturally, I was on a podcast, and the other person is the one who actually chimed in that he wasn't clutch. <laughs> and so we can take that for what it's worth. It there was you go. Adam Pac-Man Jones who said that. You and Pac-Man making it rain on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, in, I was a guest up there. <laughs> And, and, and trust me, I heard words I had never heard before <laughs> on the podcast. But uh, it was definitely entertaining, and I was laughing about like how you were on there. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! So it was it was hilarious. We'll, uh, we'll have to tweet that out uh, yeah. from the Blade and Mickey but, account. Yeah, but who would have thought? Oh, uh, Adam Pacman Jones, man! The, all the <laughs> knowledge he was spitting there, man, with the. Bullock with the curveball kick and not clutch. Pac-Man and the Hitman. Uh, next is, oh, the, is, is the Doug Man. Coach Doug Matthews <laughs> joins us on Blaine and Mickey. The coach. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5. The zone flying like an eagle through this afternoon. 3HL will have you from 3 to 6. But right now we're uh, catching up with our buddy, Coach Doug Matthews, the coach, joins us now. Coach, how you doing on this uh, winter's day? Are, are you a big winter guy? Like, do you like freezing cold weather and snow and that kind of stuff? You know, uh, not particularly, but uh, I don't mind it some. I, I uh, think it's one of the neat things, kind of, you know, where I grew up, about the same type of weather as here, and I enjoy a good snow every now and then. And uh, the ice gets a little troublesome, but, you know, you got to kind of learn to work around that. But now I don't mind it at all. Well, uh, do, do you mind when a receiver from Wyoming, where they always have plenty of this weather, looks like he's going to come to Tennessee in the transfer portal, and then he goes to visit Texas, and he puts on his social media that uh, he's hook'em horns now. They they got one that got away, Isaiah Nayer, who uh, really looks like a heck of a prospect. 
Well, it certainly wasn't a surprise once that he uh, went to uh, Texas. I think he'd gone to a couple other places yeah. too, yeah. maybe Ole Miss and other places too. He's from Texas. Yeah, uh, oh. makes okay. sense. And once Texas got after him, uh, I think. Well, I don't think I know Tennessee. Uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't a uh, a good uh, a good feeling when they knew he was on Texas campus because. <laughs> Chances are he, that's probably where he was going to end up. Uh, you know, maybe he jumped the gun a little bit by saying he was coming to Tennessee, but you know, that's uh, kind of like a commitment in uh, in uh, a commitment in uh, in recruiting. It, it doesn't really make any difference until in recruiting you sign a letter, or in a transfer situation you have to show up on campus and actually go to a class. So, uh, yeah. uh, but he was a. I know they really wanted him. Uh, I've seen some tape on him, but he's a big physical six, two, six, three guy that can run and, uh, made, a, uh, you know, he made, he made a good choice. He's going to a place where they're going to throw the football. Also Sarkeesian is going to throw the ball around down there. And again, the fact that he was from Texas, I'm sure had a lot to do with it. It's interesting. And, and Blaine brought this up just during the process of recruiting somebody. He and I were talking in a commercial earlier you know, a guy commits to you, but then he keeps making visits to other places. Uh, we were talking about it, yeah. and you're you like, yeah. I mean, he keeps visiting other places. That means that commitment could go away. He can wind yeah. up. He can wind up somewhere or, else, or and, vice versa. Too, yeah, from the school. Like, hey, man, well, you keep visiting people, then you know, we're not we're not committed to you either. <laughs> you know, guys, back when uh back when I was recruiting, uh, we did we did not I did not, and and neither did uh, Coach Majors. Uh, we did not, we took a commitment, but it was, uh, it was under the understanding that you cannot visit anywhere else. Right. You yeah. still yeah. Visit places. Don't tell us you're coming in while we took it. We also let them know that, listen, you know, this is a two way street. Mm -hmm. Uh, if someone comes along that we like better than you, then, then your, you know, your commitment doesn't stick. If you're still visiting places, uh, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of reasons why some, some recruits give. Uh, you know, well, I just want to have never been to Southern California. I want to go to uh, San Francisco or uh, UCLA. You know, uh, I've never been to uh, uh, I've never been to Florida, Miami, Florida. But the fact of the matter is, if you're visiting, you're not uh, you're, you're not 100 percent made up. So uh, and, and you know what? Most most schools know that they know when a young man commits, uh, you know, they offer. There's a reason why you offer four or five hundred scholarships. You only sign twenty five. What what if a hundred of those? 500 that you offer commits to you well you can't sign them all so mm -hmm. that's kind of the way the game's played a little bit yeah. transfer portal a little bit different but again it's something that's brand new and we 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 still don't have our arms around that as coaches doug matthews uh gets uh this segment with us every week you can always catch him on blaine and mickey brought to you by the tennessee highway safety office uh if you've put down some drinks put down your keys remember fans don't let fans drive drunk brought to you just like Coach Matthews by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Well, since we're going on the uh, transfer portal and transfers, uh, I guess uh, give us your observation on Harrison Bailey going to UNLV. I know nothing about UNLV, who's the coach, what kind of offense they run or what have you, but uh, uh, just kind of give us your take on that. Well, you know, from where this young man was, what, three years ago? Was he a high school senior three years ago, I believe? Yeah, uh, 19. Been, been at Tennessee, too. Uh, you know, he was a – one of the most highly recruited uh, uh, pocket quarterbacks in the country, a five-star player. Uh, you know, UNLV, I'm sure, has a good program. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what the record was, who's coaching there the last time I watched him on TV. But <laughs> Randall Cunningham. 
Did he well, go there? I remember he did. Him. Yeah. Okay. So did Kenny Mayne, the Sports Center anchor. He was oh, Randall he? backed him up. Oh, okay. for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can remember. I don't know, you know, and then I don't you know, the basketball program. But, but it was, uh, you know, I, I, hopefully it's a place where the young man can play. He he was signed before Coach Heupel got there. He uh, obviously, from looking at the other quarterbacks that Coach Heupel, the one he signed and the others he's brought in, he's he's not the mobile quarterback that Coach Heupel likes. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they had a conversation about the fact that you know, if you stay here, we'd love for you to stay, but, you know, we're, we're looking for someone that can run, run a little bit. And just think about what Tennessee's offense would have been this year. Uh, if, if, uh, if hooker uh, did not have the mobility to come out of the pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think in the type of offense that they run, they're not going to have a tight end of the game. They're going to be blocking with five offensive linemen. They're going to know they're going to be facing some blitzes and some, you know, bringing six when he can only block five. Uh, I, th- I think he's going to continue. Coach Heupel is going to continue to recruit quarterbacks who can pull the ball down and run and hurt you. Uh, and, you know, in today's football, college football, if you play a lot of man coverage with five receivers going out all the time, you really don't have anybody underneath when a quarterback can get out and run it. So that that's Coach Heupel's offense. Bailey did not fit that. Uh, he knew he was going to leave, and uh, hopefully he'll he'll end up at a good uh, position, you know, a good area. You know, what, what, one of the things that we know is this now with the way that the National Football League scouts, you can if you are playing football at any level, uh, you know, look at North Dakota State. You know, they've they've had two first round draft choices. Uh, at quarterback, it, 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 if you can play football, the the NFL is going to find you. But the but the deal is you got to be out there playing where they can find you. So uh, I understand these young men wanting to leave. And again, hopefully for hopefully hopefully he does a good job. Don't know him. I know he uh, he's very highly thought of by his coaches as a young man. And hopefully he'll get out there and have some success. Mm, no doubt about it. And uh, Hypo, who you know makes all the decisions based off the quarterback uh you know got an award himself well deserved uh for first year coach of the year and i think it was a was it a Spurrier first year coach uh but yeah mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on yeah him being a first year head coach uh uh doing really well uh you know and he deserves that and they did uh fairly well uh you know this season past season yeah i think that Spurrier was indeed a when the first year coach at florida got it Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I think the award has been named for him after that. Right. He, he he shared it with uh, with Beamer at, at at South Carolina, who I thought had an excellent year. Mm-hmm. I did not think going into the season, I really did not think that South Carolina would win more than two or three ball games, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and uh, they won seven. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's now Tennessee beat them at that particular time, but uh, that was a little bit earlier. South Carolina got better, but that's one thing. Those two really good young coaches, go-getters, who uh, I think are going to make a splash in this league. I really do. Mm. Well, with the coach, Coach Doug Matthews. Coach, I I wanted to ask you this. Uh, Last time you were on, we just ran out of time, but there's a story about a kid from Dallas. He had an unbelievable uh, career playing Texas high school football. Um, He had two one-double-A offers. That was it. And his coach kept telling people, I don't know what you're missing about this guy. I don't know what. But he got one Division One offer, and then now he's he's literally he's going to have his pick of places to go. He's going to sign somewhere uh, for the actual signing day, what that's coming up in February. How does something like that happen where a kid has this? So he wasn't completely off the radar. 
he had a great career and he had a fantastic senior year. It just took that one offer to kind of break the ice, I guess. Well, I'll take you tell you one even 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 better that close to home. Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is now one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Uh, again, it's a the tight end position is different now than it used to be. Dawson Knox played at Brentwood Academy. He was a quarterback there, played a little bit of wide receiver, did not have a single scholarship offer. Now, from Brentwood Academy, every every college coach in America go that recruits Middle Tennessee, and there's a bunch of them go through Brentwood Academy. He had to walk on down at Ole Miss and look where he is now. I don't know if he made all pro this year, but he darn sure was was right in the in the talking conversation. And you know, you a lot of it is players playing out of position. Mm. Uh some, you know, some of these smaller programs. Uh, you know, if you're a bigger young man, you're probably going to be in the offensive line, you know, because they have to have some linemen. Uh, and and uh, th- that's a lot of you kind of get overlooked. Uh, but it's good to see, you know, that that, that that's why the, the junior college route and, and the walk on. That's why it's, it's, it's really not derogatory to be a walk on. There's been a really lot of really good football players that walk on somewhere and, and make a great career out of themselves if they get an opportunity, but uh, we see it happen. It happens a lot. Uh, it certainly is not that, like I mentioned, if you're playing football anywhere in America, college coaches are going to see you. There's so much, everybody's got a huddle tape out there now. Uh, they, they, you just won't see a fit or maybe you, you don't have quite the body type, or maybe you aren't quite fast enough or, you know, I, I, ne- I have never understood this. You know, I've heard coaches talk about, well, he's, his hands aren't big enough or his arms aren't long enough. I <laughs> see, you know, how does he play on tape? Can right. He, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if he can catch the ball, I don't care if he, you know, he can have, heck, we, there's a guy out there that had one arm that catches the ball as a, 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 a heck of a pass receiver. So uh-huh. it's, I've never understood all that, but the, you, it's, it's easy to get overlooked. It really is. That's why you have to have, and Blaine can probably talk to this because Blaine, Blaine, you know, Blaine's not six foot three. Well, well I was also a walk on coach. And, 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 you know, you, but you <laughs> and, and walk-ons, it's tougher now. You can yeah, say it, what is you tougher want. Now. it is, it is yeah. tougher because you go in and you, you, you're down at the bottom, but if you show you can play, you're going to get up there and play. That's why I want to bring up Dawson Knox. He's, he is a tremendous football player. Yeah. You know, he didn't become a great athlete overnight. No, he, you was, know, a he, great he was that way in high school. Just didn't quite get a fit there. Did you have, like, who was the best recruit that you ever found that you felt like nobody even knows about this guy, but me. Well, there's no doubt. And, and while I was in Tennessee, now some of the smaller schools I was at, it was, you know, it was a little bit different. There's no doubt it was Harry Galbraith. Mm. Uh, Harry Galbraith, who Philip Fulmer, after 28 years of a head coach and assistant coach in the offensive line, will tell you is the best. He, he, he doesn't even think about it. He'll tell you right at the top was Harry Galbraith. Uh, Harry Galbraith was from Clarksville, Tennessee. He had two scholarship offers. One was Austin P, which is right there. And the other was the University of Tennessee. I took him for one reason. Uh, he, he, if you watch him on tape, you watch him play, you say this guy, and he had a red shirt. This guy can't, he, he just can't play. He was a wrestler uh, and he was physically strong. He was about probably six foot tall, but a great player for us. I mean, a great player and had a tremendous pro career also with mm-hmm. Miami. And when he went to Green Bay, uh, Harry, Harry signed at that time, the largest contract ever for an offensive lineman, but without question, it, it was he, 
no, nobody even close in, in, in all the times that I was recruiting. There you go. Story time with the coach, Doug Matthews, brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, coach, I want to dive a little bit into this, uh, you know, with Tennessee having a lot of guys coming back. I'm like, man, this super senior stuff, man, it's kind of not only messing up high school recruiting a little bit, uh, a few of that French guy, but also the guys that are actually on campus because then they say, well, man, I got to wait another year my turn. So then they may enter the portal. I mean, did the NCAA make a mistake with, with that rule? How did that rule come about? Like, I know COVID and everything else, but the super seniors, because somebody said, I'm like, dang, man, a guy now is going to graduate. He's going to be 25 or 26. Just think about that. It came about because at, at the time, if you, you have to kind of go, go back. back. That's what I'm trying to say. Remember, uh, there were some leagues uh, that, that talked about not, not playing at all. Mm-hmm. And then they, but everybody said, well, maybe, maybe we'll play, uh, you know, uh, the, I remember the OVC said you could play what four games, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think what the NCAA did, and it wasn't just football, by the way, it was, it was every right. scholar, every, uh, every athlete that, that played any sport in college, they said it does not count uh, at, towards your eligibility. Then after that, uh, and I think it was a good move, quite frankly, uh, after that, it was, uh, uh, you know, he had some teams, Southeastern Conference played 10 games. Uh, the, uh, you know, some of the others didn't play quite that many, uh, but you're right. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me. I, I obviously, because of the big orange Sunday, keep up with the Tennessee part of it pretty heavy. And, uh, even you look at all these rosters now, they'll list a player as, as a sophomore, but, and he's in his second year, but he really has four years of eligibility left Yeah, right? <laughs> because, you know, he could have been, uh, shoot the Heisman trophy winner of 2019 uh, could come back another year if he wanted to, you know, every, everybody has that some, and some young men are deciding to stay and others aren't, uh, but that that's how it came about. Uh, now here's the, here was a deal on that though. The first year, 2020, all right. And, and, and the 2020, it, the, uh, the, uh, and in coming back for 2021, all those young men, it, they did not count against the 85. So in other words, if you had young men whose eligibility was up that year and they, they gave them another year, uh, they, you could have them above that 85 starting this year, all the COVID players that come back, they have to get under that 85 limit. So it's still mm. going to be pretty darn restrictive because coaches have to decide, do I want to keep the five, six, seven, 10 young men that want to come back? That's going to cost me 10 scholarships. Some of them probably not going to play or do I, do I want to uh, let them go and get other scholarships? So, uh, but, but that's the big thing this year for the first, for the first time since COVID, you have to be under the 85 maximum scholarship when, uh, when the season kicks off uh, fall of 2022. Mm. Well, Coach, I know you and Mickey know, but explain to all our listeners, you guys just signed uh, a home-and-home home, uh, with uh, Washington, I think, in 29 and 30. So you can kind of take us through that process, uh, what the coach or the AD and how that comes to uh, to life, uh, and they decide on the years naturally you've got to have an opening. Uh, just kind of go through that you know, negotiating process. You know, uh, uh, Blaine, one of the uh, one of the things the University of Tennessee really has always done, going way back in their history, they are they were one of the first teams in the South and still are one that that they really try to play a national schedule. Tennessee going way back there, they they've they've, uh, they've played UCLA, 
Uh, they played Southern Cal. Uh, they played Oregon. They played Penn State. They played Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They tried to play. They played Oklahoma. They tried to play that that one. You know, with four non-conference games, Tennessee pretty much. Now, there's been some years when they were rebuilding, not very good. They didn't do it, but most of the time. They've played one really good intersectional game. As I mentioned, uh, you know, when I was at Tennessee, we played uh, Southern Cal twice. We played UCLA twice. Uh, we played uh, uh, Washington State, Cal. But I think the Washington game, Tennessee, I don't believe has ever played Washington. I, had, I don't know that for a fact, but I cannot recall. I think that's a great ball game. But uh, that's one thing that Tennessee's tried to do. That goes back through to Bob Woodruff probably a little bit before that with Neyland a little bit. Doug Dickey certainly did that as athletic director. And uh, I'm glad to see this because uh, mm-hmm. let's face it, uh, you, you, the, you got these stadiums you have to fill up. Uh, Washington is a team that is generally a tough football team, a very good football team. I'm glad to see them do it. But Tennessee, again, Tennessee is was one that you go back and look just at schedules from Southern teams. Very, very few of them play teams from uh, – teams from the west coast kind of conversely on that you you don't find very many southeastern conference teams and big 10 teams playing during the season they play a good bit in bowl games but you don't see very many uh, southeastern conference teams play big 10 teams or vice versa on that but uh, i'm glad to see it and uh, it's uh, i think it'll be a you know tennessee got what oklahoma next in 2023 uh, you know that they'll be playing those types of teams and they normally are going to play a, a really tough non-conference powerhouse football team, at least historically powerhouse football team. They do that quite often. Coach, great stuff. Thanks for the uh, visit this week. As always, fantastic stories, and I uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Good enough. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Yes, Appreciate sir. It, Doug Coach. Matthews, catch him on the station. As always, uh, football Saturday and Big Orange Sunday. You can catch all the Coach Matthews you want. You can catch him every week here on Blaine and Mickey. When we come back, you can catch this stat. If the Titans can do this, they can beat the Bengals. I got a stat for you. Score Next. more than them. Well, it's that, too. <laughs> and Jackson from Jonesboro has been on hold. Jackson will get your call on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey <laughs> pushing it through the afternoon here. Wow. Boy, this takes me back to the Daddy Goose Club in Truman, mm-hmm. Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. We see where Lucas is mining. <laughs> that, that, that place. Oh, that place Lucas sounds like somewhere is, to be. Yeah, oh, it's a place Lucas, to get shanked. Lucas should have played this on Ding Dong Day. Yeah, baby, Man, baby, push it good. Like some mm-hmm. dudes fresh out of the county jail at the Daddy Goose Club on a Saturday night in Truman, Arkansas. My mom's listening. I never went. My friends did. I never went there. Uh, what? I never went. They just told me about it. Sometimes she listens. I love you, Mom. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of people in Jonesboro, Jackson in Jonesboro has been on it. Yes. This is a three-week in a row somebody from Jonesboro. I think two of those are him. Yes. Jackson checking in. What's up, Jackson? Hey, it's always me. It's always me. No, it's always you. Okay. I'm the only one over here. (laughs) Hey, I wanted to to bring up – I know defensive backs have been the the topic of the day pretty much all day. I've been listening all morning. Uh, and all day, pretty much. And uh, I just want to bring up, I know you as a Titans fan, if you're not excited about Derrick Henry's return, you know, that gets people fired up. But I'm, I think I'm more excited to see uh, Jack Rabbit, uh, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, Elijah Molden, we just talked to him earlier, uh, 
Christian Fulton, those guys locking down on the Cincinnati Bengals receiving core. Uh, Blaine, what do you think about that? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know what your version of lockdown. Lock them down. Yeah, yeah. lock them down. But my day meant like <laughs> they don't do too much. But <laughs> <laughs> I think in this era, lock them down means you know, hey, you keep them under seventy. You know, they're stud. You know, Chase Higgins. I mean, if the secondary plays well, that means that the front four play great. Uh, and that's always going to make your job a lot easier. So if they get after it, I'm pretty sure the Titans can do enough in the secondary to make sure, you know, and, and Kevin Byard, uh, if they let him be Kevin Byard and don't make him have to do a lot of different things instead of just letting him be the ball hog guy, mm-hmm. are those vertical throws to Chase, oh, man, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he got there and got maybe a tip ball or even over there for a pick reading the quarterback. Uh, so... You know, they have so many weapons. At times, he's going to have to be on the tight end or on a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they implement him, who's the stud of the secondary, can play in any era, uh, and how he's utilized and how much he impacts the game. All pro. Um, yeah. The they best. need him to play like an all pro. If you're, it, I, I didn't even understand this when I played. When, when, you, when they say you've made first team all pro, guess what you say? I am the best safety in the world. In the world. Yeah. Somebody told me that uh, naturally after I was done. I'm sure. <laughs> but, right. Not when I after you made it all never pro. transferred yeah. in my brain. <laughs> oh, dang. I was the best in the NFL, which means the world. If you would have hit the cold tub after that, though, and went and watched some film, you, like, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have like, just oh, lived on man. that. Hey, hey, man, to tell me, you know, my grandkids, hey, man, one day I was the best <laughs> in the world. What you talking about? Go, go get this football. <laughs> this is for Grandpa. <laughs> All right, here you go. Uh, here's my stat for you. And this won't surprise you, but the numbers surprise me. The Bengals are 0-5 this season when they commit two or more, not three, not four, two or more turnovers. They are 0-5. When they commit one or less, they're 11-2. Here's the last part of that. They haven't had a turnover in their last five games. Oh, so here's what I say. They're due. They are due. For a turnover. (laughs) And, you know, I I take apple, cherry, or whatever kind of turnover. (laughs) Whatever kind you got. You know, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I probably, you probably can look at that stat the same with the Titans if, they don't have any turnovers. They they all. I, I got I, I got they, that one for you too. Oh, I knew you'd have it. Titans are eleven and one this season when they commit two or less. Mm. All they got to do is two or less. Oh well, that's really eleven good. and one. Wow. The only loss was to the Jets when they kicked field goals what, on their first four drives and they got right down there and mm-hmm. couldn't score. Couldn't score TD. They were one and four when they had three or more turnovers. They have no turnovers in four of their last five games. The only one was the Steelers game. They had four, and they lost. Mm, wow. And, and speaking of stat, I think the Bengals played the Jets and lost to them as well. Mike White. Yeah, NFL see? legend. Yeah, he, he threw it all around the yard. Yeah, and they beat. So the Jets are sitting at home saying, guess what? <laughs> What we are, we are not that far away. <laughs> Even though it seems far away, guys. It's far it's away. It's right around the corner. We beat two teams in the divisional round. <laughs> in the AFC. Divisional round. And by the time you hear our voices tomorrow, we'll be about 24 hours away. But right now, it's time for us to get away and give way to 3HL. Oh, like always, in between time. In the meantime, Mickey. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.